0: I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, a nationally known gerontologist. Carol was the chair of the board of the National Council on Aging and still serves on that board. She's executive director of the Wellman Charitable Foundation, a graduate of Trinity University and our lady, not our lady, the Lake University of the Incarnate Word.
2: Yeah, just name all the universities in town. I went to all of them.
0: (laughs) And uh, delighted
2: to be with you. Well, thank you so much. When you said, thank you, Mr. Announcer, you made me realize we really don't know who that guy is. We do not. (laughs) We do not. That voice voice voice. at the first of the show is not in the room. In fact, he's not even in San Antonio. He's not even in San Antonio. We don't know Uh, him.
0: have no idea where he is, but he does a nice job. He does. So that's cool. I I want to just let folks know what's coming up in a couple of moments. We'll be talking uh, with Andrew Parker, founder and CEO of Papa an organization that tries to help folks cope with patients with dementia. They provide on-demand services to help with transportation, companionship, and stuff like that for elders. And we will talk with Andrew in just a couple of moments. Meanwhile, Ms. Zernial. meanwhile, talk to me a little bit about burnout because I know Dr. Jamie, who joins us on Take 10, Dr. Jamie Heisman, often does presentations and counseling for doctors and nurses and medical assistants and nurse practitioners who struck with burnout.
2: Well, and we care about that because if our nurses and doctors and healthcare providers aren't well, then they're not providing good care. So the Ohio State University um, did a study and they surveyed uh, a group of nurses, and more than half of the nurses, over 50%, took part in a national survey where they reported that they had suboptimal physical and mental health. Wow. So they were burnt out, they had were not taking care of themselves, they weren't getting enough sleep, you know, they were taking care of everybody's health but their own. And nurses in poorer health have and this is a big spread, twenty six to seventy one percent higher likelihood of reporting medical errors than their healthier peers. Mm. So I, it, was, it was interesting. Um, I had a conversation today. We have a, a team of community nurses, LVNs, that go out into the community uh, with WellMed and help do health education and health screenings just as a service to the community. And one of the new team members is actually a CrossFit trainer. And he, in their real life. In, it, well, and in, in he's, he's joined our team. He's going to be working at senior centers where he's going to be doing both. He's going to be doing health screenings, but he's also going to be teaching physical activity, maybe not CrossFit, but he's going to be doing well, exer, cool. exercise classes. And so we were talking about how a nurse got interested in fitness, and he was saying it was because he had to run around all day as a nurse, and he realized he didn't have the energy for it. And so he got interested in exercise and improving his own health so he would be a better nurse. And so, you know, we were talking about getting nurses interested in physical activity and health. And there was agreement at the table, you know, that a lot of nurses don't t- take care of themselves. You can look at some of your doctors and know they're not taking care of it's themselves. like caregivers. It's like caregivers. It's like all of us. We're so busy caring for the other person, we forget to take care of ourselves. And that's not good professionally, and it's not good personally.
0: Having been uh, in the hospital a couple times in the last few years, uh, you can tell when a nurse or a tech is burned out.
2: Well, you can't. They're and just not connected. Yeah, they're just going through the motions, and you definitely, definitely can feel that difference. Uh, I-, I
0: remember saying to one person, it was the middle of the night when they always come in to wake you up, to give you a shot. I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I'm here ruining your evening because of her attitude.
2: Yeah. yeah that, she that, took you that really
0: getting, well, by the way. I'm, I'm sure I was going <laughs> to yeah. say, and
2: she was like, yeah. And uh, then you didn't get pain medis- medicine the rest of the night, no, did but, you? No, uh,
0: but that injection sure hurt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. It's a big old needle I got in my hand. But the point is you can tell. Yes.
0: Can they tell? Do they know?
2: Well, and I know I I think that was the discussion that we were having was that, you know, one day you wake up and you realize, I'm not taking care of myself. You know, I don't feel good. I'm tired. I'm burnt out. And so it's really important. And and at WellMed, and I'm sure other health systems are doing the same thing, where they're actually, you know, patient, I'm sorry, provider, physician, nurse, um, you know, how well they're doing uh, and how they feel about their job, not getting burnt out. Taking care of our providers is a huge we don't have enough doctors in the United States. No. We don't. I heard I came home out from out of town and found one got hit by a bicycle. Uh, well, it was on a bicycle. Story. Yeah, hit on a bicycle over the weekend. And I'm like a Belo- oh, beloved surgeon. Yes. And, and a surgeon, I mean you we it takes you, you know, decades to grow yeah. a surgeon. Right. And so we've got to take care of our providers. They're run. very important.
0: It was a hit and run drunk driver.
2: Oh dear. But, yeah, yeah that's, that's terrible. But that's yeah. You don't. We don't want. We don't want to lose anybody to drunk drivers or to bad health.
0: Whether you're a doctor or not.
2: Whether you're a doctor or not.
0: So talk to me a bit about communications uh, and how you, as a caregiver or patient, can communicate more effectively. Uh, with a provider.
2: Well, this came from Next Avenue, and I thought it was interesting because they were, they were saying there's like three key questions, how, as an example, for your communication with your physician um, and caregivers. We deal with the physicians all the time. So how can I make sure my, my physician or my loved one's physician understands my concerns when all I get from him is a nod or he's typing away on the laptop? So that was one. Um, does a surgeon have an obligation to tell you if something went wrong during surgery?
0: I would say yes, ethically.
2: And then how do you talk um, confidently with your doctor when there's a scribe in the room? So those were the three questions. So how hmm. can I make sure my doctor is listening when he's typing on the computer? The good news on this was a response from Johns Hopkins University Hospital where the physician was saying, actually, this is no different than the pen. You know, it used to be the doctor wrote with the pen, and they couldn't make eye contact with you. And probably the physician is typing verbatim what you're saying and maybe doing a better job at capturing what you're saying. He's not making eye contact, it's, it's, you know, your communication isn't as good as you want it to be. Then interrupt his typing with, should I be concerned with that? How does that sound to you? So that you can get the doctor to stop typing for a second and really see if he is indeed on the same page with you and listening to what you say. So I like, I thought that was a nice that's tip. That's a good, a good that idea. It was a nice tip. But he said, don't worry about it. And and the scribe. So the scribe is somebody that's hired by the health system, so the doctor doesn't have to sit and type. And, so, and most
0: of the well-med providers now have scribes.
2: It, it, so that they can focus um, on what the patient is saying. And the scribe really is covered by the same... Um, you know, rules about privacy that the physician is, you really see them as an extension of the physician. But if you're uncomfortable about a situation, I promise you the scribes have heard it all. But if you're uncomfortable in with the scribe in the room, you can ask them to leave the room. So you can talk to the physician by yourself, which I thought that was also good advice. And then the last one, does a surgeon have an obligation to tell you you're under anesthesia if something went wrong or de- deviated from what you agreed upon. Yes, a 100% yes. Um, the CMS requires that. Uh, That's the center for accreditation Services. requires that. State laws often require that. So the answer is if they have deviated from what you all agreed would happen or if something didn't go well and they had to you know do something else or made an error they really are obligated to tell you.
0: Gee, I'm sorry Ron, we put the knee replacement in your right knee instead of the left yeah, one that oops. needed it. So
2: we're going to reschedule you for tomorrow for the other knee. And you'll have two <laughs> knees, Da-da. two
0: new knees. Well, those things do happen.
2: Well, they what well, they do happen um and yeah. and you you would want to know. Uh so you know, the idea of of communication this is something that it's an inexact science uh, as we know and so any the any of these little tips you know, that we we have, uh, you always tell the story from Dr. Eikhoff of she never gets the real information for the patient until their hand is on the doorknob going out. And they say, oh, just one more thing. Oh, oh by, by the, the way. way.
0: Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. And then that's she knows, where she gets the real information. And, and she knows that's why they're here.
2: Right. Right. And so, you know, there are limits to time a physician can spend with you in most places. Uh, and so don't wait till your hand is on the door to think about that communication get your top three right up front when that physician's typing away on the keyboard. The three things I want you to type in my record are blah, blah, and blah. Let's talk about those. I like that.
0: And the good thing, and we're not here to promote WellMed specifically, but WellMed gives more time with providers and patients as a commitment that Dr. Rapier, founder of WellMed, made from the very beginning.
2: Well, and and I think that's reflected by um, physician groups like WellMed, and there are others uh, in the country, actually have better outcomes because they're you know the it's like the the hang the movie with patients well the you know the audience is listening when you go to the movie theaters right. the thx the audience is listening the doctor's listening it makes a difference
0: does make a difference in fact there have been times i've i've said to dr press as my pcp don't you have something to do
2: i mean how much work we talk <laughs> yeah aren't you supposed to be someplace well right. and i actually i had a friend of mine Whose mother didn't you know was having difficulty with her physician? And I said, "Tell the doctor, I feel like you're not hearing me." He goes, "Wow, that was magic!" The minute I said, "I feel like you don't, you're not hearing me," he stopped, and we had this big conversation about my mom's care.
0: That's perfect. that,
2: That got his attention. Boy,
0: I sure like that. Got time for one more? If you are one of those folks who are planning to have your parents come live with you. My advice is think about it before you do it. But what are some of the uh, things you should consider?
2: Well, we, this is from memory well and we've mentioned them before but I think they bear repeating every once in a while as people come on to Caregiver SOS on air and might be thinking of moving mom or dad in. So the number one thing is if you don't have a good relationship with the relative who's moving in your mom or your dad if you always hated them you probably don't want to have them move in. Because living get together is not going to improve that relationship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's no reason to think that's going to change. You, know, you need to talk about the money up front. Are they paying some of the expenses? If something happens, who has power of attorney to make financial decisions? Are they going to contribute to the costs of the household? You might be saving them money, but are they going to spend some money with you? So having the conversation about finances up front before their foot is in the door so you know what's going on is probably wow. a good idea.
0: That sure makes sense.
2: Um, you know, living arrangements. So. Are they going to have a separate area of the house? Can, are you going to eat dinner together? Are you going to be hurt if they don't eat dinner with you? Can they entertain? Can they have guests over, overnight guests over? So you Especially know,
0: if it's mom or dad alone. <laughs> your mom or dad alone. Right.
2: right. Um, and then um, is it, are, are they expecting you to be the caregiver? Are you planning on hiring a caregiver to take care of them once they get in your house? You might want to decide that. That would probably be helpful. Um, and then the division of duties what is it that they want to or you might expect them to do to help at the house?
0: Like pick up your underpants. Well,
2: it might be that. It might be opening, you know, being the the kid that comes home from school, you know, fix the snack, chat with them, make sure they get home from school. Uh, it, It could be anything. Exactly. But I think that that idea of setting expectations up front is hugely important.
0: Coming up in just a moment or two, we're going to be talking with a man who was founded the company to try to help folks deal with the Challenges of being a caregiver, transportation, food delivery, what have you. We'll talk in a moment with Andrew Parker, founder, CEO of Papa. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zirnial on Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. You ever wonder what you can learn from listening to WellMed Radio? Hi, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is here, nurse practitioner. What can folks learn from WellMed Radio?
3: You know, we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life.
0: And it's something that uh, you're, you're newer to WellMed Radio and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio?
3: Well... I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home.
0: Nurse practitioner, Cora Juke, I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively on 930 a.m. The Answer, Be There. Well, as we have been promising, we're delighted to welcome to our caregiver SOS on-air hotline, Andrew Parker, co-founder or founder and CEO of PAPA. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. And Andrew Parker down in Miami, thanks for joining us.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: Give us the elevator speech for what is PAPA.
4: So PAPA connects college students to older adults for companionship, assistance, and transportation. We refer to the college students as grandkids on demand.
2: Grandkids on Demand. I, I I remember reading a story about Papa in the media. Um, so how you know how hard is it to get college students interested in working with older people?
4: Well, when we first started, we weren't sure, but uh, we found actually, I don't want to say the word easy, but we've developed a, a method to have it uh, be as seamless as possible for, for the student as well as for, for our team. But um, we found that PAPA is a really exciting opportunity for someone that wants to be a nursing student or or go to med school or you know, wants to be a doctor. And so this is really great for them as they kind of build their own vision of their own future.
0: Now, when you look at your background, graduate of University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, Bachelor of Science in Finance from Florida State University, how does this mesh from your own background?
4: That's the first time I've ever come to that question. It's very interesting. Um, you know, I, I like to think of it more, you know, within my family. So I come from a family with, uh, I have three other brothers, so it's four of us, and we all have very diverse personalities. We're all very good people, but some of us are better matched as a papa pal uh, than others. You know, for example, myself and my brother Jordan would be amazing papa pals, but my brother Jordan, uh, David and Zach would not be. So I think just... School was, for me, I did not go to school for health care, but I went to school um, with a vision to go into healthcare care as a kind of a business standpoint. So um, it's it's been valuable for me to see both sides of that.
0: And you hit on the idea because of your grandfather.
4: Yeah. my You know, I, I was not thinking about a business in any way, shape, or form. I'd always... You know wanted to be an entrepreneur, but never had a good idea and This was not a business idea for me. it was really my grandpa who needed you know support and he was alone and needed someone to take him to appointments. Uh, I just thought it was a natural fit for him to hire a college student. He was incredibly educated and spoke many languages and you know I thought he would uh, get excited about a younger person and, and We tried it out, and he did and then I started to think really about the demographic and you know how how large of uh, an age group it is and you know how we can support them.
2: So the college students that are working um you I believe you you said they were Papa Pals?
4: Yep, we call them Papa Pals or Pals for short. Okay. I like that.
2: So they they <laughs> the the ben, they this is a paid gig for them. Correct. It's not a volunteer opportunity.
4: Correct. Uh, it is a paid gig. Though interestingly, we've had some students that have foregone their uh portion and and some of them are using that for different donations, but for the most part they are uh being you know, pay it through the platform.
0: Now, why did you go that way instead of looking for volunteers?
4: Of course, it is nice to be able to provide a service to seniors at, at no cost, and we actually are doing that um, through different a variety of programs. But we find that if you really want to build a large, scalable experience, um, and not just a community experience, uh, you have to have some funding arrangement where people are incentivized in in several ways. One of which is pay. One of which is flexibility. And you know, for the students specifically, it's you know, a good career opportunity.
2: So there's technology behind this program, right?
4: considerable amount. uh, But for the most part, it is not known uh, to the older adults. So what's interesting about Papa is about 90% of our members are actually older adults themselves uh, calling on behalf of themselves or or a spouse. And so they could just call 1-800 number. But we built a pretty robust, essentially, you know, Papa Pal logistics platform that coordinates, tracks, manages everything in real time.
2: Okay. So so if somebody calls, and I think it's great that you've got both the the mobile uh, opportunity as well as the the good old-fashioned phone. So they they call up and they say, I need a ride. What happens after the person answering the phone says, okay, a ride is needed?
4: (laughs) So they'll take in the person's information. They'll... Uh, put it into our Papa platform, as we call it, or our system, and then that will go out to our network of pals, which all ha- they all have an app. So we have about you know fifteen hundred students on the platform that all have an app, and they could, based on specific criteria, you know, get access to different visits. And they accept the visits, and then we track them from there. So
0: you're like Uber for old people,
4: in a way, you could say that. Yep. Yeah.
2: Now, do you have to do your the people who sign up have to go through any background checks? That's always the Uber question.
4: Yes, the, the pals go through a very substantial process. Not only background check, but many other things, um, inclusive of a Papa Pal personality test. To make sure we're matching, you know, obviously safe and trusted individuals that are also, you know, matching kind of the personality that we're looking for in a Papa Pal.
0: And what is that personality?
4: It's really a fun, you know, energetic, enthusiastic, also patient and empathetic, empathetic person. Um, you know, we find that. Uh, that personality tends to mesh well with many people and since they're younger it breaks down a lot of the barriers of what you would traditionally see in a traditional home care setting.
0: Talk to us a little bit about uh, the kind of response you get from uh, your clients that would be the seniors who don't pay for the service uh, and the kids who are uh, working for you. What are the different responses you hear?
4: Yeah, and, and just to clarify that some seniors do pay, so you could be a consumer and you could go online or call us up and, and pay, but a lot of people are getting it through their insurance provider or through, you know, their their living facilities uh, or other places. But members absolutely love it. I mean, for the most part, Papa has found that older adults are quite lonely, and, you know, data does show that. And by simply connecting that with someone that, you know, wants to help them out or drive them places or kind of just be a friend, you know, grandkid on demand, it's incredibly valuable. So, that's been awesome. Um, and then the PALS love it, too. We actually did a survey the other day, and we got, of the surveyed PALS, 4.5 out of 5 rated on, on their overall experience. And I'm pretty happy about that. Obviously, we want to continually improve the experience for both members and PALS because both are critical to the success of the platform. But so far, so good, and you know, we really look forward to helping more people.
2: Now, is this only in the Miami area?
4: Uh, we actually launched in January of last year in Miami, but we're now available in most major cities in Florida. And we are in the process, um, over the next, you know, probably 90 days of opening up four or five more states, you know, you know, the kind of the coast, large coast.
2: Oh, very good. Interesting.
0: Now all managed out of one central office?
4: Correct. And the technology allows that to happen. We likely will open up. You know, kind of a customer care center on the West Coast, in addition to Florida. But um, yeah, the way we've developed everything, it's all tech-enabled and makes it really efficient for us to be able to support a lot of people quickly.
2: So when I'm curious, when they call, um, I, I'm envisioning a senior with multiple needs. Do they? I mean, do are you able to provide most of the services they ask for? Is there? You know, are it sounds like it would be a broader way. Is it, is it mostly just rides?
4: It's it's quite broad uh, on what they ask for. We kind of have our categories that will I'll highlight, which are transportation, house help, tech help or tech needs, um, and and companionship, and then general assistance. So it does kind of span a lot of activities. We are not a caregiving company um, from from a home care or home health perspective. So we don't do any personal care. We don't do any bathing or toileting. And you know, if you do call with those needs, we'll recommend local partners and. Yeah, you know, that's something that we're we're happy to do. But if you just need someone to take you to the grocery store, help you, you know, to the doctor's office, teach you how to use an iPhone, um, mm-hmm. and then maybe engage you with the community, that's something that Papa's really good at.
0: What's okay. been the most interesting thing you've had some of your pals do?
4: Uh, we had uh, one gentleman that liked going to boxing classes and didn't have a car, and he was 80 years old, but, you know, would go to boxing classes, and they would go together, so I think that was pretty fun. Uh, we had an uh, older woman that wanted to go to a, you know, family wedding. I guess it was her granddaughter's, but didn't want to be a burden to her family. So her and one of our female pals went to a wedding together and essentially had a, had a fun time, and she was able to kind of have what I call true independence where, you know, she's taking control of her own life. Um, we've had... You know, actually interesting, uh, one of our older members uh, from from earlier uh, in our evolution was on Ronald Reagan's campaign trail and we you know kind of wrote down her life story for her. So there's been some really cool, unique things that most of the time we don't come up with ourselves. It's like requested and as long as it falls within kind of the purview of a grand canon demand and it's not clinical or it's not personal care, we you know, most likely could do it.
2: So so Talk a little bit about how you're able, I mean, you, you, you're already all over Florida. You're going to grow into four more states. Why? What is it about, Papa, that um, is appealing to older adults?
4: I think that it's something that they wear as a badge of honor versus, for the most part, you know, though of completely necessary, most older adults are not exactly excited about needing to be cared for. And I believe by creating this intergenerational connection between, you know, older and younger adults, we're able to really break down a lot of those barriers where they'll, you know, go to the mall and, you know, be excited about Papa, not, you know, in a way that typically they may feel a little bit, um, you know, embarrassed or uncomfortable. Not Not that there's any reason to be for having home care, but it's just something people don't want to get old. People don't want to get Feel cared for, so we kind of do several of those items, but we're doing it in a way that they feel you know excited about.
2: So um, I bet you have several people who used to do some other form of transportation and think this is way better than riding the bus or the Paratrans for three hours.
4: That's hundred yeah. percent true, um, and you know we're taking over a lot of those kind of old school, kind of crappy experiences and yeah. providing somewhat of a white glove you know pal experience, which is fun.
0: Do you train your pals?
4: They go through uh, somewhat of a training uh, online and, and virtually, and then we monitor them continuously, and you know, we, we even inspect things like their car and their car record, and we're very uh, strict on you know, who's providing services on our platform, but, um, so they do go through a training process.
0: And whose insurance covers those who are driving some of the seniors?
4: We have an insurance policy in place, and uh, the PALs also have car insurance. That's cool.
2: Well, we'll talk a little bit about. I was looking at some of the information that's, that said, you know, if they need a telehealth call with a doctor, is that something that you all can connect with?
4: Um, we are starting to work on programs with, uh, you know, health plans where we could help with certain things. Um, and you know, prior to Popeye, I was part of an early team member of a company called MD Live, which is a large telehealth company. So that's kind of where that <laughs> vision came from. You know, it's interesting. A lot of older adults you know, maybe would see value in a virtual encounter with a doctor. We're not going to provide that, but maybe we could, you know, show them the way, essentially.
3: Okay.
2: All right, hang on.
0: We'll be right back. Stay on the line. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. Fascinating stuff as we talk about Papa right here on Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. We're talking with the man who founded a company called Papa, in finding out what it does. Uh, Grandchildren rent it out to seniors, one way to look at it. Andrew Parker is founder and CEO of Papa. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernial. So, Andrew, uh, this is in many ways a big change for you career-wise. Is this full-time?
4: Yeah, it's full-time. I left my previous company uh, a year and a half ago.
0: And you're fulfilled.
4: I'm very fulfilled emotionally and mentally, yes, very fulfilled. I mean, for the most part, we're helping a lot of people, and they're very excited about it, so it feels really nice to, to be doing that.
2: So before we went on break, you were talking about you know what, some of what you can do, what you might do. Um, when you look at uh, the care industry, and I know you're not doing personal care, uh, but when you're looking at helping older persons and the number uh, of older persons that certainly you have in Florida and, and along the the coast you know where do you see Papa going what's your vision for the future
4: yeah right now you know Papas connecting older adults and, and college students I believe that will expand um, we at the core have a platform that connects two different groups of people or two or several different groups of people so I do believe we'll be able to help people um, with what they need help right now it's companionship and supporting you know people with assistance and transportation but maybe in the future it will be um, maybe it will be personal care. Maybe it will be, you know, uh, uh, clinical services. Maybe it will be other things. So we're thinking about, you know, how can we leverage, you know, kind of the technology we built in the process we've put in place to support people in many ways. But right now we're focused on the grand kid on demand uh, approach, and it's really um, seeming to, to, you know, take hold. So we're excited about that.
2: Have you ever had anybody older say they wanted to be a papa pal? They're not a, grand, they're not a college student, or you, they, you you have an age requirement for your papa pals?
4: We don't have an age requirement. It's more of a, are you in a a post-high school, higher level of education? Um, Most of those people are kind of on the younger uh, age. We have thought about different age groups, and we do have some older adults that actually apply to be Papa Pals. And, uh, you know, we're just collecting their information at this point. Well, because I'm, I'm,
2: I'm thinking yeah. about, you know, the the greeters at the Walmarts and, and the fast food restaurants these days. When you go through, you see older persons doing jobs that were traditionally college-age student jobs. And yeah, especially they,
0: in fast food. Right,
2: and people want to keep working or need to keep working. So I'll be curious. We're going to be, I don't know how far down the road we're going to have to check back with you on that. Yeah. But it would be interesting to see if those people um, who are in good health – And you know, really want to continue working. If this might be something that they would be interested in doing,
4: we have found that there are somewhat of an abundance of older adults that are interested. um, So we're definitely thinking about that. I actually saw the other day that Starbucks had its first um, kind of 65 plus only uh, store. So everyone there was about 65 that you know served the coffee and the espresso and such.
0: Interesting. So for folks who are listening, uh, Andrew, who are living uh, in the Santono area or elsewhere. We also provide podcasts of this show on the Internet, so it could be someone anywhere listening. Uh, if they wanted to start up this kind of service in their community, what were the big roadblocks, and how did you overcome them?
4: I'd recommend calling me <laughs> and see if, or uh, reaching out to Pablo to see if we could you know, launch in those markets. It's quite complicated. At the core, it's a simple idea of, connecting two generations but there's a lot of moving parts um you know obviously i couldn't even be on this phone call if we haven't built technology to make sure that everything where possible is automated but um if you do want to start a small program you know just start small with a couple people and take it from there but uh it, it does get complicated really quickly so uh we will be expanding to other markets very quickly and uh would definitely welcome people to sign up on our newsletter to, to keep track of that
2: well what kind of sup- what um do you have any surprises along the way, something that you thought would work one way worked another way? What have, what have you learned? What's been surprising about this business?
4: Well, the, the first biggest surprise, which frankly probably wasn't a surprise, but more my um, you know, level of knowledge of this demographic initially, was that I thought that we would build an app and people would come, and that didn't happen at all. And we you know, found that you got to really meet people where they are, which is, in this particular instance, um, You know, calling our 1-800 number. What also has been pretty surprising for us, which is definitely different than most traditional, you know, home care firms, is that most of our members are the older adults or the senior themselves calling on their own behalf versus traditionally it's a family caregiver. Not that that's not a big market for us, it's just interesting that we've kind of opened up this new space that didn't exist before.
2: Well, I think that the on-demand, I mean, we we talk a lot about on the aging side of the house, you know, dignity and and people wanting to maintain their independence and, and really have control over their lives. And I think that when you talk about on-demand services uh, to a lot of older adults, the idea that they can make a phone call or have an app, get a ride to the grocery store or to the doctor or to boxing class, whatever that is, on-demand without having to bother a relative or schedule a ride three days in advance. Um, it's always would be a very, hassle. It would be very appealing.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's. Interesting, too, because at first when we started offering this, you know, no one knew who we were, it was like a lot of explaining of what it is, how it works. And it's just been nice to see over time pretty quickly that, you know, almost, you know, though it's not super technically advanced, but most of them, they could pick up the 1-800 number. It's still a new behavior. They're able to pick up a phone on their own and get someone to help them without, you know, calling their daughter.
2: Well, you talked about, um, the, you know, how you've enrolled the older adults. How do you recruit your Papa Pals how do people find out they can participate and, and be a PAL?
4: So we do some marketing on the PAL side, and there's a huge amount of word of mouth. Um, you know, something referred to in the tech space as kind of um, uh, network effects, which is, you know, one student PAL tells another PAL, tells 10 PAL, tells 20 PALs. You know, Facebook obviously is historically known for being successful because of that kind of phenomena. Um, and Papa's seeing that with the Papa Pal side. So they're really telling their friends, and they're telling you know other people, and uh, we do a bit of advertising. And then the process to become a Pal is quite, uh, you know, onboarding is quite automated. Uh, and then they do, in addition to all of these things I've mentioned, a, a virtual interview with our team member.
0: Now, are they employees or independent contractors?
4: They're uh, joining the platform as licensees to, you know, the ability to provide uh, services to individuals looking for services. So they are ninety nine to the platform. Right.
0: Okay. As you think about how this grew, how, how many years has this been in existence?
4: Papa launched officially in January of 2018. I came up with the idea, you know, around my grandpa, um, my papa, in 2015, actually, in December, uh, right around my birthday, interestingly. And, um, so I just sat on the idea. It wasn't really an idea. It was just helping my grandpa. And then one day I just started to think about it a little bit more. got it up. I pretty much had like seven months where like five of my friends, grandparents were using the service where it was kind of like a quasi app slash me reaching out to college kids with my cell phone while working. And then, you know, ultimately I said, wow, this actually could be pretty cool. And started building the business around that idea
2: well i i think that the the intergenerational aspect the socialization that can take place um is really important and i would think that would be a big selling point uh, these days when you would be talking to the healthcare provider world as you you know seek to expand that to, to other payers
4: 100 percent i mean that's a big focus of ours now is you know are we able to get this at no cost to older adults that it makes sense for if you're Lonely and isolated, and you know, don't have access to transportation. Papa makes a lot of sense, and that's a huge portion of these health plan members, and it brings a lot of value uh, to the health plan, as of course as well as the health of the member. I mean, there's a significant amount of data about how negatively loneliness and isolation could affect really any age group, and interestingly enough, Cigna did a study on the the loneliness concept, and uh, the two most lonely populations are actually college students and older adults. So it's just kind of interesting. That, that that came together that way.
2: Oh, I don't think I realized that we were putting college students in that bucket as well. But I could see, and you know, how that happens. See, everybody's sure. on campus. You can be totally alone, not know anybody in a dorm.
4: You could be, you know, big on social media, but really alone, you know, by yourself in your room. So.
2: Yeah, because
0: friends are not real friends. <laughs>
4: Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. It depends on who they are, I guess.
2: Well, and for the college students, so um, because this is on demand and they can work when they're available, um, they've got incredible flexibility to pick up a a few extra dollars in their downtime.
4: 100%.
0: Do you run 24-7?
4: We advertise that we run, you know, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. in the – in the time zones that we're in, but we have supported some overnight uh, services.
0: For you and, and for Papa Pals, uh, as you take a look at the future, the growing number of seniors is phenomenal. Uh, 10,000 folks who were baby boomers uh, turn 65 every single day. The numbers are just astronomical. Is that part of your growth plan as you look at other cities?
4: Yeah, so um, that's obviously important data. What I think about actually is the flip side of that, which is, you know, we all talk about 10,000 people turning 65 every day. It's obviously enormous, but I don't think people think about the fact that 10,000 people did not become home health aides today. So you're ultimately forced to think about other, you know, sort of provider types. And I think college students are, you know, as we refer to them today, pop-up houses, an interesting kind of new – um, part of that aging journey. And in terms of our scale and growth, you know, we do look to partner with large health plans. We do look to work with health systems and senior you know, skilled nursing facilities and then also consumer. But um, a lot of it will be based on where there's a large number of seniors and, you know, likely around big cities at first.
2: Right. So you you did mention that they didn't necessarily, your, your pals don't necessarily have to be in college, um, but they need to be post-high school. So You could go – I mean, like there are some cities that have tons of universities. I don't think anybody – Pennsylvania, for some reason, when I lived in Philadelphia, it seemed like there was a university on absolutely every corner, every corner. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're like nail salons. Yeah,
2: but there are other (laughs) cities where there's one um, or there's none. Uh, you know It's just a community college. Uh, So you – but a lot of places do have community college. So you're really – are you really focused on college or or, or do you really see yourself post-high school?
4: And, and by post high school I meant education post high school. So you okay. could be in a vocational school, maybe you're in social working school, maybe you're getting grad school, maybe uh we had actually a minor league baseball player that was like taking night classes, like in you know, so we have some wiggle room there. But uh you know, every city has college students, there's online college. Actually one of um the founders of Kaiser University, which is a big, you know, kind of online uh slash in person school here in Florida was one of our members as well. So There's students everywhere. We do believe eventually we'll go outside of that. But, you know, there's 20 million college students, and right now that's plenty for us to support members.
0: I'm just curious, the Papa Pal who took the 80 year old to boxing lessons, did the Papa Pal train with him and box with him?
4: Uh, they they did not box each other, but they were both in the class together. Yeah. Okay, it'd
2: be terrible if you knocked out your ride home. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. that, would,
4: that would be. The member got knocked out, or the pal got knocked out, probably yeah. with this specific member. Probably.
2: Uh, well, I think this is very exciting. I know um, for some people, they may be kind of. Re- try it. It's very different, but it's very exciting for those of us who run social services for many years and know the shortage of workers, know the frustration of people needing help, not being able to access help.
0: But even more importantly, Carol Zirnial, not a lot of people know this, although we've talked about it on this show. When you were an undergrad at Trinity, you developed a relationship with an older gentleman, who was lonely and at home, and you used to go with him grocery shopping, and then he'd take you to dinner
2: that's right, so that was the exchange. I got a good dinner at the local diner, and he got groceries every week and that was my start that's in the awesome. field so you that's were a kind of Papa an pal. interesting
4: approach. I've seen some companies thinking about time banks, and that's kind of you know what you did essentially but right. um you know right now our model's working well
2: yeah see that's so I, I i was one of, you know i, I I'm an old time pal, and I didn't even know it
0: right you, you were go. a Papa Pal. <laughs> exactly so as folks. Hear this, think about this. Is there a website they can go to to check you out?
2: 100%. Uh,
4: JoinPapa.com, J O I N P A P A.com, and you can get all the information you would need uh, there. We also have a 1 800 number, uh, which is 1 800 348 7951.
0: And you get to do it twice on the radio.
4: Perfect. Uh, JoinPapa, J O I N P A P A.com, and 1 348 7951.
0: Any thought about San Antonio as another one of your spots?
4: Yes, uh, very, very much so. Likely San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, uh, hopefully in 2019.
0: Because we sure have a lot of older
2: people we here. We sure do. All right, You do
4: for sure. Yeah, and hopefully cool. one of your listeners wants to reach out and we'd be happy to support them. Well,
0: thanks so much for talking with us. We've enjoyed it. And, uh, Andrew Parker, good luck as Papa Pal
2: grows.
4: Thank you so much, guys. Have a wonderful afternoon. Take Sorry. care.
2: Bye-bye. What an interesting concept papa i like it i mean that's freedom that's freedom when exactly. you can get something on demand
0: up next take 10 with dr jamie heisman i'm ron aaron with carol Zernial. where do you hear us on 9 30 a.m the answer you ever wonder what you can learn from listening to well med radio hi i'm ron aaron our co-host cora juke is here nurse practitioner What can folks learn from WellMed Radio?
3: You know, we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life.
0: And it's something that uh, you're newer to WellMed Radio, and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio?
3: Well... I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home.
0: Nurse practitioner, Cora Juke, I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively on 930 a.m. The answer, be there. Thanks so much for sticking with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Up next, Take 10, a segment we bring to you at the end of every one of our Caregiver SOS On Air programs. We are joined by our co-host, Carol Zernio, and Dr. Jamie Heisman, who is a nationally known psychotherapist and expert on addiction and caregiving. I'm Ron Aaron, and Carol, you got a good topic, which spins off what we did last week.
2: Well, um, Jamie, you know, I think that there is confusion not just among caregivers, about the difference between what might be a person that has bizarre behaviors because they have Alzheimer's and dementia, and someone that might have uh, bizarre behaviors uh, because they have a, a, a tradition, more traditional, quote-unquote, uh, behavioral health issue. So can you talk a little bit about the difference between someone who's suffering from a, a physical illness where your brain is shrinking, like in Alzheimer's, versus um, a behavioral health illness uh, where something else, a chemical imbalance may be going on? I don't know. You're the expert. What's the difference?
1: Well, you know, neurologically and psychiatrically, we have two different, extremely different disease states, if you will. But you're right. The behavior from both can be quite similar. And to a caregiver... Uh, when that behavior happens, they themselves have to learn new skills around it. But to your point, I think that it's really difficult to differentiate for a caregiver, uh, the difference between dementia and mental illness. But for uh, a medical professional, it's not. Dementia, like you said, it, it's it, more than your brain shrinking, it's like a chronic disorder, uh, where the mental health pro, or the mental process, if you will, of, uh, of, of the brain is, it, it, it it, how do I say it, decompensates because of a brain disease or injury. So dementia presents itself in our senior population through, like, memory loss and, and reasoning impairment and personality changes, where mental illness is, is a different uh, animal. In fact, in terms of treatment, obviously one would say which would be the more easier to treat, and it's the latter, mental illness. But mental illness, which is in one out of every five seniors, uh is, is a lifetime issue normally believe it or not many diagnosed in their in their teens or, their, or the twi- or in their 20s um obviously later with depression and issues that surround it they can be diagnosed there but mental illness is, is is pretty much you know characterized by confusion also loss of words uh memory impairment that looks just like a memory disorder but instead mental illness is about anxiety it's about depression it's about bipolar disorder. It's about schizophrenia. So the difference is, is quite uh, stark in terms of a mental health professional. But in terms of a caregiver, it doesn't appear that different.
2: So what I heard you saying is that if someone has a, a behavioral health problem like they're, bi- God, they're, they're bipolar um, versus having Alzheimer's, is there are medications that can treat someone with a, a behavioral health mental illness Um, there's not a lot that can be done for someone that has dementia. Um, So would you go to the same type of doctor, would you go to the same type of facility for someone with a behavioral health problem versus dementia?
1: No, you you would not. Actually, you could go to a neurologist who's also boarded in psychiatry, so you have both under one roof. However, I really believe if you have mental illness and, and you're a senior, I would go straight to a psychiatrist. To your point, the pharmacology issue is so vast. The differences are so vast, exactly what you said. Bipolar thought disorders, depression, anxiety are treatable. We've come so far in the world of, of psychopharmacology uh, to be able to really stabilize this condition. Whereas, as you mentioned, in dementia and Alzheimer's, even though the Alzheimer's Association started in 1986, I think 86, uh, we've really yet to pharmaceutically or or through pharmacology, really address it properly. So you must get the first assessment, if you will, especially if you know it's mental illness, I believe, from a psychiatrist. However, if you really suspect dementia, I would go to a a neurologist who may be boarded in psychiatry.
2: Right. And so and if you're dealing with an older person, it would be great if you had a geriatric psychiatrist. Um, Neurologist may or may not have a specialty in geriatrics as well.
1: Absolutely. That's yes. kind of, I don't want to say scarce as hen's teeth, but like geriatricians, it's, it's less and less common. But you're spot on. I would make sure, as you did your homework and asked uh, for resources in the community, that it was geriatric-focused in terms of the practice. Uh, they really get it. They really do. So now, are there...
0: Correct. Uh, uh, tell us about the differences between an older person with a mental illness and a younger person. Why would you need a psychiatrist specialist in geriatrics?
1: Well, again, I'm sure Carol can address this through her vast experience as a gerontologist. But I think when you see um, psychiatry, uh, you do see, as I said, maybe people who are predisposed, genetically predisposed. It's a biopsychosocial illness, and it may have started early on. However, the reason why you get a geriatric professional involved is that through the normal aging process as seniors, we do get anxiety and depression. And that really gets confused, if you will, with possible past issues. These are accompanying chronic disorders all along. Uh, currently, Carol and I are even talking about it, a patient education line for for patients who find themselves with a chronic disorder, dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression, you know, dealing with this extreme fear and loss. So. There's no question about it that a senior trained person or a gerontologist or a geriatrician or a neurologist who's trained specifically in geriatric medicine really will pick up on this in a a way that other neurologists and other psychiatrists may not.
0: You're listening to Take 10 on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. If you've just joined us, you're hearing Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zernial, our co-host, is here as well. Carol?
2: Well, the other difference is that uh, as older people um absorb medications differently the the dosage the prescriptions might be different uh, there are some medicines that you would give a younger person that you would never give an older person because they're so dangerous for falls uh and you right. know, other other injuries um but but i think it's uh it's Important to to point out to caregivers that there that there is this difference, um, and that the prognosis is different. For example, we talked about we can treat the person with the behavioral health, but somebody with dementia um, are 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 they going to get better regardless of the medication?
1: Exactly, exactly. And so I think when a caregiver sees their loved one who may be confused and may have a loss of words or even have mood swings. Which which mirror more you know mental health challenge, um, or even the memory impairment because depression can bring on cognitive challenges as well. I would get a, an assessment immediately from a psychiatrist or from a, a as I said a neurologist who, uh, who's trained in psychiatry. Either way, either professional will be able to pick up on whether this is common signs of dementia. Or whether there's really a a mental illness here that can be treated as such.
2: Well, and I would add that one of the joys of getting older is that you can have more than one thing going on at the same time. So that someone who has had lifelong severe depression is actually probably more at risk of developing dementia and you can overlay you can have both at the same time.
1: And it happens so yes, come over it happens so often. In fact, as we're seeing now, you know, unfortunately, that you see less and less psychiatry out there and more and more primary uh, medicine physicians are prescribing. And so to your point, Carol, if we can really get focused and differentiate and really see our senior population in a very specialized way, especially through psychiatry and neurology, uh, we would be doing a great service because most primary care physicians don't really want to write the prescriptions uh, necessary for, for uh, psychiatry for sure. And we'll refer out to a good neurologist, anybody with dementia.
2: So the good news might be um, support groups. Are there support groups for people that have, let's say, bipolar disorder and versus a support group for people that have Alzheimer's? Are there support groups up, out there for all these various conditions? For the
0: care recipient and the caregiver?
1: Yes. You, you both are needed. You're 100% right, Ron. You've done our shows long enough to know that that's the vital piece. And to Carol's point, you know, care, I'm sure Caregiver SOS is a fabulous place to get those referrals. But, you know, I was on the board of NAMI, the National Alliance of the Mentally Ill. And these are families who have loved ones who have mental illness. And certainly if you got into a support group and you actually found out that your loved one, uh, you know, had more neurological issues, you would be able to, you know, exclude it, if you will, yourself and find that right place. I would call the Area Agency on Aging of your community and be able to really identify these support groups because we know in this program, the three of us, that there's nothing that can substitute for that support group. And, nothing. If,
2: and if you're looking for your Area Agency on Aging, go online to eldercare.gov and plug in your zip code and you will find It'll pop your up. local Area Agency Dr. On Jamie, aging.
0: thank you. Good information. Appreciate it. And thank you for your time. Carol Zerniel. thank you as well. I'm Ron Aaron. You've been listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS On Air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer.